That is right. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. I am Farzi Wasugi, and thank you guys for downloading and listening to the Chief Zone Podcast, making me part of your morning, afternoon, evening, or overnight, whatever the case may be, listening to the Chief Zone Podcast. Always greatly appreciated. It's got a nice short, short and sweet show for you. How about that? Short and sweet show. I know these podcasts generally go longer, and I always try to keep them short because I tend to think they get a little long and tedious, but a lot of you guys actually like that, so... Uh, I, I guess I may be disappointing you guys this time, uh, in which this will be a shorter podcast. As a matter of fact, this is going to be the only podcast this week. Uh, I know I tried to get one right before the Bengals game, and just a chaotic last few days. This week's just as chaotic, so uh, only going to be one podcast this week, and then we'll do a uh, recap podcast over the weekend after the Chiefs play the Seahawks this weekend. But the Chiefs Coming away with a nice win over the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll get into that in just a moment. But first, I want to remind all of you that you guys can be part of the show. Interact with me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzinevasugian. Give it a like. Also, follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Also, email me as well, Farzine at Farzinevasugian.com. Chiefs pick up a 32-12 win Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes, and Tyler Bray all through touchdown passes. And the defense did not surrender a touchdown throughout the entire game. Only allowed four field goals against the Bengals. So not a bad night. You can't really complain about what you've seen from the Chiefs starters so far. As far as the entire Chiefs roster in the second preseason game, again, no complaints. The defense didn't allow a touchdown, only field goals. The offense fairly consistent with your top three quarterback or the top three expected quarterbacks I should say so I, I don't think there's a whole lot to complain about so uh, listen you guys know me I, I, and I've been accused of being too negative at times but uh, when nothing really goes wrong I, you really can't depict a whole lot of issues on this football team so uh, this is a preseason game where you've got to give the Chiefs credit and again I understand it's the preseason so I'm not trying to get too excited uh, I, I think we've got to remember at the end of the day, we've got to keep our composure and not be a prisoner of the moment. Sure, it's pretty fun to see the Chiefs pick up a 32-12 win. It looks nice on the on the scoreboard, but you got to remember it is the preseason. So uh, at the same time, you know, if, if things looked horrible for the Chiefs, you've got half of the fan base saying that it's just the preseason, who cares? And then you got, you've got the other half that are looking at the glass half-empty and fairly concerned. I mean, look, they play these preseason games for a reason. Now, should Bengals fans feel like their season is over? No, absolutely not. Certainly, you never know. Teams are testing a lot of things out in the preseason that, again, I said this before and I'll say it again, maybe they don't like the way something went down the first time or the second time during the preseason, so they scrap that play out of the playbook and they move on and never look back at that play. So this is what the preseason is about. That's what they go through in training camp and in OTAs. They test them in a glorified scrimmage, if you will, in preseason games. So this is what teams are trying to do. So again, yes, uh, a fairly bad game on paper for the Bengals. But uh, again, that doesn't mean that the Bengals uh, should feel bad about it. Now, could some Bengals fans be concerned about the team a little bit? Sure. I I think there might be valid reasons to say, hey, look. Uh, we allowed 30 points and couldn't put up a single touchdown against the Chiefs. So I think that can be something that, from from a Bengals standpoint, of course, we're not going to discuss this, but maybe Bengals fans look at that and, and, and feel discouraged as to uh, 
why none of the offenses, first, second, or third team offense, or the fourth team offense, were able to put up a touchdown. So you'd rather look good in the preseason than look bad. Let's just put it that way. I, I think that is something we can all agree on, no matter what our opinion is or, or how serious we do or do not take the preseason. So let's get into it. And I'll start in chronological order. Alex Smith, I've got to say I was more impressed with Alex Smith in this game, went 8 of 9 against the Bengals and was sacked just once in this one. I really liked his poise in the pocket. He really looked poised in this game. The thing I really liked the most about Alex Smith, and we haven't seen a lot of this, but it was his, not just his quick release, but the speed from his quick release. He is known to be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL when it comes to his release. And these are statistics that you just never find online. Yet you, there might be, they might be somewhere, like not even pro football focus has this information. Maybe they do, but they don't even, they don't even display that on their website, even if you pay for premium. But I remember watching a Sunday night football game once and they were talking about Alex Smith, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. And they mentioned Alex Smith's uh, arm speed, his release, how quick it is, and they sh- they showed a few highlights of his of his passes, and more specifically, locking in on his release, and they timed it, showing that he has the quickest release in the NFL. Now, that can be a good thing, of course. I, I mean, you'd rather have a quick release than a not so quick release. Now, and I'll get to Alex Smith in a moment because there was a a, a stat out there, Gil Brandt threw. But for the for, for Alex Smith, the, I mean, that's something. Sure, okay, a quick release is great, but does that translate into any Super Bowl wins? And I'll get to that in a moment. But his quick release can be a good thing, and not just the quick release, but he had some smoke in those passes. It's not something we see from him often. That's the thing I was talking about that we don't see a lot from Alex Smith. Uh, how quick the ball gets the pass catchers, the targets he had in this game. Those were not easy passes for pass catchers to pick up for the Chiefs in this one. Hey, the throws from Alex Smith. But hey, look, I mean, these players are paid to catch your passes. If they've got to use the gloves to get a good grip when they try to make a catch, I mean, they're they're certainly allowed to do that. But I really like what I saw from Alex Smith. Nine, uh, or eight of nine, excuse me, for 83 yards and a touchdown. And I mentioned Gil Brandt. Gil Brandt said something. He put out a stat out there, and I posted this on the Facebook and Twitter pages. Something that I didn't notice in twenty since twenty thirteen, Alex Smith has had the fewest giveaways among all quarterbacks in the NFL, and of course twenty thirteen was the year he joined the Chiefs, so that's why he used that twenty thirteen timeline. In the past six seasons, Alex Smith is just one of three quarterbacks to have a winning season each of the last six years. Now, the other two, he didn't mention who the other two are. Surely you can assume one of them is Tom Brady. The second one, uh, boy, I, I don't know who the second one is. The only name that comes to mind is Ben Roethlisberger. Now, it's mentioned that those two quarterbacks, Brady and Roethlisberger, have won Super Bowls. Alex Smith hasn't. And listen, it's no secret that Alex Smith, yes, he has one of the higher winning percentages in the NFL, one of the better 
win-loss records among starting quarterbacks since 2011. But how much credit does Alex Smith get for those wins? Because he hasn't had a major impact in those wins. Sure, he's had a few big games here and there since 2011, but he's certainly not of Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger's caliber where he has that big QB type of game. What he does do a better job of than most quarterbacks certainly is ball security. So he has had a hand in those wins, but whether it's with the 49ers or with the Chiefs, Alex Smith has always been on a team that's had a phenomenal defense. When the Chiefs started 9-0 in 2013, people weren't talking about how great the offense was that year. People were talking about how this defense helped bail the offense out <laughs> how many times that season during that 9-0 start. The offense, not necessarily consistent, not always able to put away the game when they should have, but the defense still found a way to do so each and every single time. So when you look at Alex Smith's record and what that really means, yes, again, he's had a hand in helping the Chiefs be one of the better teams in the regular season when it comes to wins and losses. Of course, the past six years, he's only one of three QBs, as Gilbrand mentioned, to have a winning season each of the last six years. Those are, I mean, that's not an accident either. Yeah, sure, Peyton Manning had a horrible year the same year the Broncos went to the Super Bowl. Now, if Peyton Manning played like that every single, each of the last six years with that same Broncos defense, at some point, that Broncos defense is going to fall apart and fatigue starts to become a factor because time of possession is just not going to be on Denver's side. So at some point, Denver wouldn't have a winning record. And listen, there's a reason why the Broncos swapped quarterbacks at that point. Yeah, sure, they they, they talk about the the foot injury. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I really do think that's a PR move because let's not forget the game he had against Kansas City where he had those four picks, the same game he broke the record, uh, some passing record, and fans applauded him only to boo him later when he was being substituted off the field. Th- this is... One of those cases where, look, uh, I mean, bad QB play, sure, maybe a team like Denver could get away with it once, but for six consecutive years, uh, there's just no way. Crazy enough, a team like Houston, they've managed to not just have a winning record, but win the AFC South with God knows who under center. They've had Brian Hoyer, Brock Osweiler, just a couple to name. I mean, it's a really horrible list of QBs. And they've won the division back-to-back years. Now, I think they're definitely going to be in a better spot with Deshaun Watson there. And if Andrew Luck is healthy, then we've definitely got a fun race in the AFC South to watch. But the point being here is, Alex Smith, no, he's not. he doesn't have a big impact on the success that the 49ers and the Chiefs have had the last six years. But... Alex Smith hasn't played poorly either. Now, last year, I think, was definitely his worst season. Or as Trent Green would say, his best simply because of the passing yards. But, at the end of the day, Alex Smith isn't playing horrid football that makes you want to flip the channel and scream at your TV or anything like that. He's still, at the end of the day, helping the Chiefs one way or another to win football games. So, you'll always take that. When I heard Gil Brandt say those two statistics, I thought to myself, 
what matters the most in the NFL? Number one, of course, wins and losses. Number two, turnovers. What's the number one deciding factor, not just in, in, in football, but you could talk about this in all of sports, but in the NFL, the number one deciding factor for football games, it's the turnover margin. Now, again, it, that's more times than not. Of course, there was that Thursday night game where the Chiefs committed three turnovers and no takeaways against the Raiders. Still, they came away with that 21-13 to win, if I'm not mistaken, against the Oakland Raiders. So there are times, of course, a rare instance where a team may be good, may, may be dominating the turnover battle, but they don't win it on the scoreboard. But that's a very rare instance. It doesn't happen every single time. I'd say, I mean, I'm sure there's a more specific set out there, but if I had to grab a number from the, I would say probably 90% of the time, the team that dominates a turnover battle or wins a turnover battle wins the football game. And it's no coincidence that the Chiefs have been one of the best in the NFL with ball security. I mean, the stat is out there since 2013. Fewest giveaways. That, that that goes to Alex Smith. And the Chiefs have finished above 500 each of the four years that Alex Smith and Andy Reid have been part of this football team. Now, I guess the question, a very, lot, a very reasonable question is, why hasn't that translated to a Super Bowl win? And how much of that goes to Alex Smith? Well, let's say 2013, that Colts game. I mean, gosh, I have a really hard time blaming an offense that put up 44 points on the road in a playoff game. So the defense falling apart the way they did. Uh, Andrew Luck throws an interception on the very first play of the second half. And at that point, the Chiefs went on to score on that drive and people wrote the Colts off. So, I mean, gosh, it's hard to put Alex Smith... Uh, in hot water for that one. 2014, Chiefs didn't make the playoffs that year. 2015, you did pick up a win over the Houston Texans, snapping that playoff drought, but against the Patriots, man, uh, that fumble by Niall Davis, had he not done that, we could probably have seen an overtime game in Foxborough for the Chiefs. And then the most recent one, the Steelers, that one right there, of course, I'll, I'll put that one on Alex Smith. Should have connected with Jeremy Macklin on that one. Missed Tyreek Hill a couple of times wide open in that game. So out of four playoff games, one of them is on Alex Smith. Listen, every elite quarterback has had a bad playoff game. And the season came to an end there. So it's not like Alex Smith is the worst quarterback in the world because he lost one playoff game for the Chiefs. I'll put that one that Steelers playoff loss. I'll put that on him. But as far as the other three, I, I have a hard time believing a case that Alex Smith is responsible for the Chiefs for lo- for losing those three games. I certainly don't buy that. Now, now I've been on this train the whole offseason about how I'd love to see Deshaun Watson. Of course, it's Pat Mahomes who got drafted, but. Then that begs another question. Why did the Chiefs draft a new quarterback? Well, they definitely want more aggressive play from the from the quarterback under center. And that's why they drafted Pat Mahomes. So we'll see how that plays out. And listen, I, I'm certainly not rooting for Alex Smith to lose. Uh, what I'm rooting for is I'd rather see Pat Mahomes with the Chiefs. And I'd rather see the Chiefs go 7-9, and 8-8, nine, eight and eight, or 9-7. and seven. I'd rather see him go and throw, what, maybe 14 touchdown passes and 10 or 11 interceptions that way in his second year in 2018 
Mahomes will have already learned from his mistakes and will do a hell of a lot better. Look at, I, I saw that I was watching a preseason game uh, from the Titans and they compared Mariota's, actually, I'm, I, that's, excuse me, it was NFL Network. I was watching that broadcast on NFL Network, but NFL Network compared Winston and Mariota's first seasons to their second seasons and how much they really improved from year one to year two. If Mahomes doesn't play this year or maybe next year, whenever he does play, whether it's 2018 or 2019, he's going to make mistakes. And I know people are saying, oh, well, he can learn from it. You can't learn everything from watching. You've got to go out there. You've got to, they, you've got to get thrown in there to learn things. And again, playing in a preseason game doesn't do it for me. But as far as the level of play go, I mean, look, I'd rather see Mahomes this year and then in 2018... He'll be a much more complete quarterback. Plus, with the life shelf left on this defense with guys like Tom Bahali, Derek Johnson, and you never know, there could be a really bad injury that occurs for Justin Houston or Eric Berry or Marcus Peters. And keep in mind, Marcus Peters' contract is up. Maybe he does not come back to Kansas City next year. Hopefully, I'd love to be wrong on that. Don't get me wrong. But you never know in the NFL. One year from now, maybe DJ Holly and Peters are all still on the team and no injuries. You've still got your 11 defensive players. Maybe you lose half of your defensive players. This is arguably one of the best defenses in the National Football League. This is a Super Bowl caliber defense. And if Mahomes can develop himself and blossom under Andy Reid's offense, I think by 2018, you could definitely make an argument as to... Why the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender. They've still got that dominant defense plus the improvement that Mahomes could have from year one to year two. And you're just not going to get that this season. So that's been my case with this whole Alex Smith, Matt, Pat Mahomes quarterback discussion. So let me know what you guys think about that. Facebook.com slash Farzine and you guys can tweet me as well Farzine, at Farzine21. Excuse me. So speaking of Pat Mahomes, let's go to him now. As far as his game, he looked phenomenal. I really liked what Mahomes did in this game. Better this week than last week. Last week, he never really took control of a drive. Uh, Yeah, he had that touchdown pass, but that was due to a blocked punt. This time around, Mahomes actually led the Chiefs to long touchdown drives. A pair of them. Yes, plural. Touchdown drives from Mahomes for the Chiefs in this one. Completed touchdown passes to Demetrius Harris and DeAnthony Thomas. Demetrius Harris, by the way, uh, he's definitely worth talking about. A guy who caught touchdown passes from Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes. So he's definitely a guy that wants to make a bigger splash. And I think you've got to keep in mind, I don't want to spend too much time on this, though I think it's definitely worthy of discussing and pondering. But you've got Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's your dual threat right there as far as pass catchers on this team. Who's the number three guy on this team? Is it a running back? Is it a pass catcher? And I think Demetrius Harris is trying to make a case as to why he could be a guy who has a a big impact in helping this offense move the chains and score often. And of course, a pair of touchdown scores, he definitely made his case there. And listen, he is a number two tight end, but on an offense that, you know, the tight end gets used a lot, he's definitely in a good place. The number two tight end in Kansas City they they use that quite a lot, more than most teams might use their starting tight ends. So this is a really good place for Demetrius Harris to be in right now. 
definitely making a case as to why he could have a hand in helping the offense this season. But Mahomes managed to avoid a couple of sacks. And for the second week in a row, I really love just how he stays calm in the pocket, not letting those big pass rushers hurry him, especially when you go from college to the NFL. The size on those guys, especially when you're playing from the Big 12, you don't deal with the best defenses there. And when you come to the NFL, you're dealing with much bigger guys, much better defensive pass rushers. And Mahomes has done a pretty good job in these two games of staying calm and moving around when he needs to avoid a couple of sacks that I think most quarterbacks would have either thrown the ball away or would have been sacked at that point. But Mahomes managed to avoid getting sacked in those cases, did not get sacked in this one, and did a very good job throwing under pressure 10 of 14 passes for 88 yards and a pair of touchdown passes. Uh, played with the number ones a little bit, so that was encouraging to see. Of course, also played with with some of the backups in the third quarter in the second half before handing things off to Tyler Bray. And Tyler Bray, of course, had that touchdown pass on a quick drive to Shontavious Jones to extend their lead in the third quarter. As far as offensive playmaker, playmakers go, Charkandrick was is an obvious one. Seven carries, 113 yards. That includes a 50-yard run. Of course, we remember Charkandrick West a couple of years ago filling in for Jamal Charles and how he and Spencer Ware carried the, the rock for the Chiefs that year and how much it really made up after losing Jamal Charles in 2015. Of course, 2016, not necessarily uh, uh, the greatest looks from Spencer Ware and Chuck Andrew West. I thought West looked good in that Week 17 game against the Chargers, but not overall. We didn't see a whole lot from Chuck Andrew West last year for, uh, while playing for the Chiefs. And speaking of Sp- Spencer Ware, Andy Reid did say that he would not play a lot. In fact, he only he got the first handoff of the game, and after that, the Chiefs took him out and did not put him back in the rest of the game, which is understandable. I, I don't think the Chiefs need to see a lot from Spencer. We're one of the better pass-catching running backs, and I think needs to improve a little bit in, in the ground game. But Jarkandrick West, the way he looked, certainly you want to see more of that in the regular season. So that's one of the bigger takeaways, positive takeaways, for the Chiefs in this game, the way he looked. And listen, the offense needs to, needs to establish an identity now that they're without Jamal Charles. And after a very poor showing at that position last year. And speaking of running backs, Kareem Hunt looked really good as well. Eight carries for 40 yards. And CJ Spiller, he showed off his speed quite a bit in this game for the Chiefs. And then the last offensive playmaker. I uh, touched on this already. So Demetrius Harris, the guy who, again, I think is proving that he can have a hand in helping this offense move the football through the air in 2017. As far as the defense goes, I don't necessarily have one big playmaker uh, that... I was impressed by I think the defense as a whole looked really good. And Trent Green mentioned this on the broadcast, but this is a Chiefs defense. And again, it's been said many times, so it's not like it's anything new, but it's always worth talking about. The Chiefs defense is a bend-don't-break defense. They allow a lot of yards. They certainly do, but they don't allow a lot of points. I, I said this last week. I've said this a couple of times recently, and I've said this over over the years, uh, every now and then, just because you have the worst defense in the NFL, not that the Chiefs do, but when we say worst defense, we're talking about which team allows the most yards. That doesn't mean they are a terrible defense. It just simply means how, how much yards you've allowed. Now, again, sometimes it can mean that allowing the most yards is also the same team that just has a terrible defense. But for Kansas City, allowing a lot of yards has not been a good thing. Time of possession plays a factor there, but they don't allow a lot of points. That's exactly what you saw in this preseason game against the Bengals. The Chiefs 
allowing a lot of yards, but don't allow a lot of points. That has been the story of Kansas City's defense ever since Andy Reid got here. If I do have to pick one guy from that defense, I'll give it to Alan Bailey. I thought he was a playmaker in this one. Uh, If you haven't seen it, there's a tweet out there that shows Alan Bailey moving around. He kind of does that fake blitz and then goes through the hole from a different side uh, of of the line of scrimmage and just dashes through that offensive line untouched and completely by surprise, easy sack. And that closing speed on the quarterback he had definitely looked scary. A guy coming back with the Chiefs, uh, and they need him on that defensive line. I think that defensive line is going to be fun to watch. I thought Tano Passigno looked very good once again, not necessarily on the statistics, but gosh, uh, defenses have a really hard time stopping him, and uh, you even saw the Bengals try to double-team Passigno a few times in this one. I think Passigno is going to be a very pleasant surprise outside of Kansas City. I think Kansas City fans are already expecting big things from him, but as far as the way he's looking, I mean, that, that side, this guy is massive, and he can do some damage, and he did some in this game. He certainly did. So this is someone who I think, when you look at what you have, you've got Benny Logan, you've got Chris Jones, phenomenal rookie season, drafted as a second-round pick, should have been a first-round pick, and then don't forget, you've got Alan Bailey coming back. You've got Passanio. This is a very good group of defensive linemen. The loss of Jay Howard definitely going to hurt, as well as Dontari Poe, but you've still got some very good defensive linemen on this football team. So losing Jay Howard and, and, and Poe in recent years, not necessarily the worst thing in the world, especially considering what you have right now. So I think if there's anything that I'm really impressed with with this uh, Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff and the front office, even though there has been some changes, They've done a very good job of making sure that this defensive line has been intact. They're, they're, they have been loaded up front on the defense because that's very important for the front seven and for the outside linebackers, Holly, Houston, and Ford, when it comes to trying to apply pressure on those quarterbacks. And given the, the type of year that Ford had, Holly, how great he's been throughout his career, even though he's aging and has been declining a bit, and Justin Houston, if he's in his 2014 form, Gosh, I mean, this is going to be a defense to be reckoned with, and they're going to do a lot of damage to opposing quarterbacks. And again, the Chiefs, just like 2013 and 2016, the Chiefs are going to be one of the better teams in the NFL when it comes to sacks and takeaways. And this is a defense that doesn't allow a lot of points. So uh, there are plenty of reasons to be excited about this defense and what this defense is capable of in 2017 and again going back to what I said about the offense that's why I'd rather see Mahomes come in and and, and have this be a learning curve season because this defense which I'm I'm confident that they'll still do well for years to come if you can get Mahomes ready to go by 2018 if he can have 2017 be a learning curve season man this is going to be a three-dimensional I was going to say offense a three-dimensional team the problem with the Chiefs since Andy Reid's gotten here, there has been an imbalance. The defense has been good. They may have had one or two horrible games since Andy Reid's arrival. But other than that, this defense has shown up week in and week out. It's the offense that hasn't been able to get the job done. But again, I don't want to get too much into that. I already spoke about that. Let me know your guys' thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzin Vesugian. You guys can also send me a tweet at Farzin21. And feel free to email me as well if you're not on social media. Farzin at Farzin 
So the Chiefs will play the Seahawks this Saturday, or uh, excuse me, on Friday. Now, this is, of course, a preseason game where the starters tend to play a lot longer and they play into the third quarter. I'd be interested in seeing if the Chiefs go against that rule and decide to insert Mahomes at some point to let him play with the starters. So I'm curious to know what they do in this game with Mahomes. This is really the final preseason game in which the starters can really solidify themselves. So I think you're going to see the 22 guys pretty much be decided after this week, especially considering that there's only one roster cut to 53 instead of two. Maybe the way things go in the preseason might be different this year. Who knows how coaches are going to handle that. Uh, You certainly don't have to have your starters through the third quarter, but teams like to do so. Uh, giving them a chance on the first drive of the third quarter. And I think for the most part, uh, Kansas City, you're going to see that. And then after the first drive, both offensive and defensive in the third quarter, at that point, teams pretty much know who their starting 22 guys are. Midway through the third quarter, at that point, teams are pretty much deciding who the other 22 backups are. And then the last few guys to fill in for the remaining 53 spots and the practice squad at that point. So, again, with Mahomes, a guy who you drafted in the first round and traded up 13 spots for, I'd love to see a little bit more of him, especially with the number ones. Of course, the Chiefs last week promoted Mahomes from number three to number two, putting him over Tyler Bray, and that gave him an opportunity to really go out there and showcase his skills. So I'd love to see Mahomes play some play some snaps with the number one. So how the Chiefs handle that, we'll see. But when you draft a guy like that in the first round, training up in the top 10, uh, I, I definitely think you've, you've got to go out there and see, see him as much as you can, especially if we're not going to see him much in the regular season. See how he does with these starters. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. The biggest story in the NFL this week, Ezekiel Elliott, the running back for the Dallas Cowboys, the reigning rookie of the year, phenomenal rookie season, and arguably the best running back last year, suspended six games due to an investigation in which Zeke was accused of abusing his ex-girlfriend, or what the police reports uh, uh, explains as his ex-girlfriend, through the span of five days in July of last year, Zeke and his camp, his agents, Uh, They claim that this is false, they're disappointed by this, and they're obviously appealing and trying to reduce the suspension or get rid of it. Let me say this. I'll say two things. Number one, you can't get in trouble if you don't do anything. If you don't do anything bad. Number two, you can't get in trouble if you're around logical people. And the reason I'm saying this is because, as I just mentioned... The people in Zeke's camp, they've said that they're disappointed in the league with their investigation and how it was too one-sided. And look, do do players do stupid things? I mean, involved in robberies or whatever they do, they get arrested. There's no secret about that. But when it comes to a situation like this where you're accused of doing certain things, if they're saying what she what she's saying is inaccurate, look... I think part of it is on Zeke in surrounding himself with this woman. And now look, who's to say that someone can't go completely ballistic one day all of a sudden? They go from being one of the most logical people and rational people in the world, all of a sudden they, they turn into a crazy lunatic 
and they start accusing you of things, and it gets you in trouble. And look, the life of a pro athlete's not an easy, even a college athlete. I mean, these guys, they're going out to bars, and some of them at a very young age, whether it's in college or in the NFL, I mean, they, they just manage to get through, and they're in places they shouldn't be. If they're under 21, they, they go to bars, they're surrounded by beautiful women, and of course they know who they are because they're a big star athlete, so... Uh, it's, it, 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 the life of an NFL player is pretty hard when it comes to being around women. Now, I don't doubt that there are guys who do some bad things to women, whether it's abuse, uh, physical abuse, verbal abuse, rape, whatever the case may be. Unfortunately, these things happen. There are scumbags that just do these things, especially players. But there are also times where you hear instances where a woman will claim these things, but a player will say that it is completely inaccurate. And this just comes with the fact that you've got to be careful with who you surround yourself with. Now, of course, Zeke's appealing, and the NFL and Zeke, I'm sure they're all going to talk this out, but you've just got to be careful with who you surround yourself with. Whether you are a star pro athlete like Zeke, or if you're the average Joe, anybody can be accused of anything. But if you surround yourself with the right people, logical people, people who don't just go crazy one day, then look, you don't get involved in these things often. So it's an unfortunate situation for Ezekiel Elliott to be in. There was a player whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, the quarterback that was getting ready to be drafted this year who was accused of assaulting a woman, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Gary and Conley. That's who it was. Gary and Conley ended up being picked by the Raiders and he was accused of raping a woman and didn't end up being charged for it, but, I mean, the word came out that this was a, an inaccurate thing and... He was not happy about it. So, again, you've just got to be careful with who you surround yourself with in certain situations. Last topic I do want to talk about real quickly, Le'Veon Bell continues his holdout with the Pittsburgh Steelers, continues to train in South Florida, hasn't signed the franchise tender yet. Rumor is he won't return with the Steelers until Labor Day weekend, which is after the preseason. I'm surprised the Steelers aren't willing to pay him. Yes, it's a pass-heavy league, and you've got guys like Big Ben and Antonio Brown. Those are the bigger names on the team. But there are very few top-tier running backs in the NFL nowadays because it's a pass-heavy league today. If you have a three-dimensional offense, it never hurts. And look, I know that people in Kansas City don't like to hear this, but for the sake of this discussion, outside of the kicker for the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell is a huge reason as to why the Steelers survived and beat the Chiefs in the playoffs at Arrowhead in January. So I think you've got to take that into consideration. If it was not for Le'Veon Bell, the way he just went through Kansas City's defense... Kansas City ends up winning that game, and they meet the the Patriots for the AFC title game. And Le'Veon Bell's rushing attack in that game, he definitely had a big hand in helping the Chiefs, or excuse me, helping the Steelers come away with that big win, doing it all by field goals. So I think the Steelers, I think they owe it to him to give him what he deserves and get him on the field as soon as possible. Let's go out of bounds. I'm recording this right before WWE SummerSlam. And the reason I mention this, Brock Lesnar could be returning to the UFC again. Uh, his third uh, time going to the UFC. As you may remember, he did have a one-night deal where he was allowed to participate with the UFC. 
went to UFC 200 to fight Mark Hunt. Unfortunately, his win was overturned due to testing positive for a banned substance by USADA. And for those who don't know what USADA is, that's the United States of America Drug Testing Agency. And they pretty much do lots of drug tests on MMA fighters, more specifically UFC fighters, as well as athletes that participate in the Olympics. And Lesnar was popped for some... I, I don't remember what it was. But uh, UFC 200, which was supposed to be a big milestone pay-per-view, ended up being a big disaster. And just didn't really go as planned, especially with everything with John Jones that happened that night. Uh, so Brock Lesnar, he's got to, he retired from MMA, but he wants to return. He's been talking about this. The rumor's been out there. And he's got to unretire and return to the USADA testing pool and finish up the remainder of his suspension so he can return to the UFC again. Which I think would be awesome. And by the way, speaking of John Jones, he was called out by Jones after Jones recaptured the UFC light heavyweight title. The word is, if Lesnar loses at SummerSlam, which is taking place as I record this, that could spell the beginning of Lesnar eventually going back to the UFC for a full time. A full time comeback. There's also the report that he did not agree to sign his contract, sign a contract extension with the WWE after WrestleMania 34, which I think is going to be this April. Is it WrestleMania 34? I don't know what WrestleMania is coming up next, but the the upcoming WrestleMania, Lesnar's contract is expected to end the night of the upcoming WrestleMania. So I th- I'd love to see him back in the UFC. I think he would definitely be a great addition, uh, even though he's in his 40s. He looked very good in his fight against Mark Hunt. He really did. And even though he doesn't have a long-tenured career with WWE and the UFC, he's had a lot of on-offs and a lot of breaks. This is still one of the more dominant combat sports fighters. He's known as one of the more dominant guys in WWE, even though it's fake. But he's also known as one of the more dominant heavyweights in UFC history. And had he had a longer MMA career, I think people always pondered the idea of what he could have done in his MMA career. He doesn't have a lot of fights in his career, so it'd be fun to see Lesnar back in the UFC and try to try to do some more things that he was unable to do in his first stint with the UFC. Last topic I want to touch on, Mike Moustakas, Royals third baseman. Uh, there, there, there's an article about this in uh, on ESPN.com. Likely to pass Steve Balboni who did this in 1985 for the most home runs in franchise history in a single season with 36. Moustakas has 35 right now. His story is remarkable. This is a guy who was sent down to Omaha in 2014. The same year comes back. The team goes to the World Series on that crazy ride. Remarkable 2015 season when the Royals won the World Series. Great season from Moustakas that year. 2016, he was on pace to have a monster season, but tore his ACL early in the season, so he could not show off everything that season. Coming back this year, dominating, he became the first Royal ever to participate in the Home Run Derby. Didn't advance, but listen, as a Royals fan, that was the most fun I ever had watching a Home Run Derby. Finally seeing someone from my team participate in that Home Run Derby. One of the coolest sporting events that we have, and... Mike Moustakas has been a very exciting player to watch. The Royals haven't been known for their offensive firepower during those World Series runs, but with what you're seeing now from Moustakas, this is a guy who's really turned it up and has given Royals fans a lot to watch. And look, 
the Royals have been very inconsistent this year, especially since adding Miguel Cabrera. It hasn't necessarily helped out a whole lot. But if there's anything going to the K worth watching, it's Mike Moustakas. This has been a very phenomenal third baseman this year. Arguably the best third baseman in baseball, and he's tearing it up. He really is. I mean, home runs, of course, the biggest and most exciting thing we have in baseball, and I think one of the harder things to do in sports is hit a home run. When the ball's coming at you 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 miles per hour, and you're trying to hit it out of the park 400 feet, uh, one of the more challenging things to do, I couldn't even hit it 10 feet, uh, if I'm just being honest, so... This uh, this has been a very fun season to watch with Mike Moustakis. Maybe it doesn't translate into a postseason run for the Royals, but individual success like this, they're still fun to watch. That's why we still watch sports. Even during the bad years with the Chiefs, we still enjoyed watching Jamal Charles, and uh, you're kind of seeing Moustakis do something similar during a, I don't want to say a down year because the Royals still have a chance, but it, it looks unlikely considering the inconsistency. But this has been a very fun season, and... I think you, you, you kind of think about the idea of, is Mike Moustakis a top five Royal? Uh, this is a guy who's about to own the record for most home runs in a single season. I mean, that's not a, an honor that just goes to some random random player. Uh, that's a very difficult thing to do, and especially in a, in a, pl- 